Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just 2 bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. Today on the Zabecast, a 50-50 content mix today. Part one, the good old sports, European soccer, Super League bombshell, NFL draft, war rooms going upscale, and a harsh reminder to always take the money and run. Then a whole lot of you ain't crazy, they're crazy on COVID, plus Renee Zellweger golf movie, I am in. Your 45-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Tuesday, April 20, 2021. Thank you for downloading Let's Get Right To It. Soccer Super League in Europe has gone kaboom. Now, at first, I saw this headline on Monday morning on ESPN.com, along with the news that Jose Moritinho, I think I'm saying that right, had been canned as the manager of the famed Tottenham Hotspurs. And I thought, why is all this soccer in my ESPN? What is all this in my soup today? I know it's a bit of a slow week sports-wise, but I'm like, seems weird. Then my friend Giannis, the Greek freak, or Yanni, the Greek freak, uh, listens in Milwaukee, sends me a text. I guess Mourinho was a really, really, really good soccer manager over there. So his firing was a bit shocking given that it was only 18 months into his tenure. And I said, oh, so he was like the Belichick of European soccer. My man Yanni says, you are spot on about the great coach comparison, but for it to be 100% accurate, Belichick would have had to have had two more bad years with the Patriots, then go to the Jets, then bring in a bunch of high-profile players, then miss all expectations, then leave the Jets after two years, then go to the Dolphins in one last-ditch effort to resurrect the team, and then shit the bet on expectations, then get fired. Anyway, he says, I am always impressed when you speak about soccer. It's not your forte, but you do very well in giving the overview on the stories. Well, I also get the stories overview wrong at first blush because I didn't quite understand what was going on here. So I saw uh, the rest of the hubbub about this Super League and I'm like, oh shit, sounds like as if the Cowboys, the Packers and the Steelers and a handful of other teams said, you know what, NFL, we'll see you later. We're going to go form and play in our own new Super NFL. It's not quite right because they are going to still apparently try to or want to play in the Premier League, as are the other Europe, uh, the other Italian and Spanish clubs. They just want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to create this new Super League where they don't get relegated, they get more money, 
and it is going to cripple a lot of things involving European soccer. France and Germany said, we're not in. They backed, they, they were like, we're not jumping in. So no clubs from either France or Germany jumped into this new Super League. FIFA is trying to block it. They may try to sue. UEFA and the Champions League is scrambling. People are resigning left and right. I mean, I really need men in blazers to come on this podcast and talk about it. Yeah, it's a good idea. Well, they're they're hard to get. They're they're big time. I could hunt them down, but I'm guaranteeing you it would be a several week process. Oh, too lazy for that, huh? No, I could. How about I just pull a bite from their podcast, a chunk, and play it for you here? That might be better. I love Men in Blazers. Oh, by the way. I know this. This guy, Gary Neville of Sky Sports, was not having it after the announcement. It's been damned, and rightly so. Um I mean, I'm a Manchester United fan and have been for 40 years of my life, but I'm Manch- disgusted, absolutely disgusted. disgusted. I'm disgusted with Manchester United and Liverpool most. I mean, Liverpool, they pretend you know, you'll never walk alone, the people's club, the fans club. <laughs> Manchester United, 100 years, born out of workers around here. And they're breaking away into a league without competition that they can't be relegated from. It's an absolute disgrace. And honestly, we have to wrestle back the power in this country from the clubs at the top of this league, and that includes my club. And I've been calling for 12 months as part of another group for an independent regulator to bring checks and balances in place to stop this happening. It's pure greed. They're imposters. They're imposters. They're nothing to do. The owners of this club, the owners of Liverpool, the owners of Chelsea, the owners of Manchester City, they're nothing to do with football in this country. There are a hundred and odd years of history in this country from fans that have lived and loved these clubs. And they need protecting. The fans need protecting. I've benefited from football hugely. I've made money out of football. I invest money into a football club. Now, I'm not against money in football, but the principles and ethos of fair competition and the rights to play the game so that Leicester win the league, they go into the Champions League. Manchester United aren't even in the Champions League. Arsenal aren't even in the Champions League. You watched them earlier on today. They're an absolute shambles of a football club at the moment. Shambles. Tottenham aren't in the Champions League. And they want a God-given right to be in there. Yeah. You know, these uh, European uh, clubs are owned by bazillionaires from the Far East and the Middle East and all over the place. And that's what old Gary Neville's talking about. They don't give a shit about our country. They don't give about English soccer. Uh, they, they don't care about uh, – and I guess that, you know, Liverpool's thing is uh, you'll never walk alone. We're the people's club. Yeah, well, not no more, you ain't. It's a hell of a story, and it may just be a precursor – to another potential bombshell here in the States where I think someday the college football landscape is going to break apart like this. There will be a super power five league that breaks away from the NCAA, at least in football, and does their own thing. And it will be greeted with the same kind of derision as this guy had for this concept. It's There's so much money involved and there's so much power that the big boys wield. Now, the argument I had this morning with uh, both uh, Getter and with uh, Mr. Mike Heller, big uh, Wisconsin alums, I said, well, if because they were complaining about, you know, college football sucks. It's the same three teams. It's Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. And I said, okay, well, 
Would you mind then if they broke off and formed their own Super League of 12 teams that played its own schedule? They left one game unaccounted for so they could play their rival. And that's a 13-game schedule. They play their own championship game, maybe a, a Final Four within the Super League. And then the rest of Division I football plays for the, quote, national championship. They're like, no, that sucks because we'd know it would be an NIT championship. And I said, okay, well, what do you want then? They said, well, we want expanded playoffs. We want 16 teams. And I said, well, guess what's going to happen if you do that? The same three teams you don't like are going to win the 16-team playoff. And their answer is, yeah, but then at least we could say we were in the tournament. We were in the playoffs. And I go, well, that's just another souvenir banner. That's just another way to go, yay, we made the playoff. We were one of the top 16. What happened? Oh, we got crushed in the first round by Auburn. But, hey, we were in it. You're not any closer to actually beating Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State on the field. So I don't know what's going to happen, but this is a major shock in the world of sports, and I can't wait to watch it from afar to see what happens. Anyone who wants to school me up without going too long or too super deep, hit me up via email. I will gladly ex- I will gladly accept the 40-cent invoice on my time to read your emails on what's going on in European soccer. The Athletic is struggling. This despite the fact that I am a subscriber. I am a uh, somebody who wants to see them succeed and yet Starting to look like it might turn south pretty quick here. According to Outkick.com, the Athletic is struggling in a major way. The business is not going well. They've raised $140 million already, and they're now looking for a way to exit, trying to find somebody to buy their business going forward. That's how you do it. You raise a lot of money on an idea that sounds real good, looks good in a presentation, You scale it up, you hire a bunch of people, you start putting out product. We're losing money every... It doesn't matter. We're not here to make money. We're here to get big. We're here to gain market share. Become a thing. And then we sell. And the original investors and the founders, they get out. They're golden parachutes. And they're like, yes. And then they don't care what happens after that. Looks like this airplane, though, barely cleared the trees at the end of the runway. And it's not gaining much altitude And it's probably going to go nose down pretty soon anyway. That's too bad because the athletic really is sports writing and sports coverage without most, if not all, the bullshit you get elsewhere. But there may not be a market for it. People may just not want to pay. On this date in 1989, guess who bought a little football team down south for a then whopping sum of $146 million. That'd be Jerry Jones. Many of the time thought he overpaid. You know what the Dallas Cowboys are now currently worth? $6 billion. Of course, Jerry Jones is a brilliant businessman, and what he has built with the team, despite the fact they have not had success on the field in quite some time, is, to me, the envy and the marvel of the of the NFL. Congratulations! In 1989, 146 million, and they're now at 6,000 billion plus plus. Speaking of money, Jalen Suggs is selling his buzzer beater. What? 
That's right, the Gonzaga star who announced he is leaving for the NBA draft. That's a good move. More on that in just a second. Is immediately selling, is going to auction off his Final Four buzzer beater as a one-of-one collectible NFT or non-fungible token. In other words, a blockchain authenticated piece of digital memorabilia. Okay, you're not making any sense, Abe. I'm still confused. I understand. It's very confusing. Let me try one more time. You know that highlight of Jalen Suggs hitting the buzzer beater, banking it in? Oh, it's amazing. Well, he's selling that to somebody who will own that highlight. What do you mean own the highlight? It's all over Twitter. It's all over TV. People have saved it. It's on their phones. It's their ringtones. They've got it on their DVR. What do you mean he owns it? What's he going to do? Sue you for watching it? He's going to charge you one cent? No. He's just going to own the actual digital you know, highlight. In, and it's going to be protected, protected via blockchain, the technology that secures Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. You don't get you don't get it. Uh, I don't quite get it either. It is the new gold rush. It seems to me NFTs, non fungible tokens, and you'll have to Google that and Google what fungible means. I'm not going to try to explain it. I kind of know. I think T- to me, it seems a lot like the star registry, where somebody said, "Hey, you see those stars up there." See that one right there that's twinkling next to the other guy? No, not the Big Dipper. It's over there, just down to your left. There it is, right there, that one. Yeah, what about that one? I'm going to sell the rights to that. <laughs> oh, you are? <laughs> yeah, how are you going to sell the rights? So I'm going to create a national star registry. My registry will keep the names of people who buy the stars. You know, what if somebody comes up with their own registry? I don't know. I don't care. They can come up with their own. I'm just trying to sell all these and then Buy a house in the Bahamas and call it a day. <laughs> Spelling bee to change format. Darren Ravel tweets, after four of the last six years, the Scripps National Spelling Bee has resulted in a tied champion at the end of the final. So this year on ESPN2, which will be held July 8th, it'll feature a speed round spell-off to determine a single champion. Well, good. There should have always been a time limit on the spelling bee. You should not be able to ask, can you use that word in a sentence? Say, here's the word. Spell it, nerd. You got 20 seconds or less. Boom. And then we're done. And then we're moving on. Alden Smith is still a rotten person. A warrant is out for the NFL pass rusher on an arrest warrant on a secondary battery charge in New Orleans. St. Bernard Sheriff deputies responded to a call for medical assistance after a male victim said he was assaulted by an acquaintance of his earlier while outside a business. That acquaintance, apparently Alden Smith. Smith was the seventh overall pick in the 2011 NFL draft. I was reinstated last May after he was suspended in November of 2015. So he was five years out of the league for violating the NFL substance abuse policy. Also, a lot of other bad shit he did. You can go look up his Wikipedia page. The Cowboys signed him, of course the Cowboys would, in April of last year. He played, but then Dallas opted to not re-sign him. So Seattle uh, re-explored lingering interest and signed him to a one-year deal. Now he's facing another arrest. Bag of shit, has been given multiple chances. He'll probably get another one. Ray Rice, meanwhile, 
for the most part, upstanding NFL citizen, had one really bad night doing something really bad with his wife, did everything in the aftermath to show remorse, to work with the NFL, to go through domestic abuse groups. Did he get another chance? No. Blackballed. This league, Roger Goodell, call your office. Steve Stricker continues to be the best part-time golfer on the planet. He won the Chubb Classic (laughs) this weekend on the PGA Senior Tour. So now in 29 starts on the Senior Tour, he has 16 top threes. He's got six wins as well and a whole bunch of top fives and top tens to boot. The guy only plays part-time. His lovely wife, Nikki, is his caddy. Guy's awesome. Will he be a good Ryder Cup captain? We shall see. Ryder Cup captains who have failed to win the Ryder Cup, at least for Americans, have been met with an unusual amount of scorn given the fact that this is just an exhibition. And they're the captain. They don't hit the shots. Tom Watson's reputation took a beating from that the American crew that lost at Glen Eagles, especially when Mickelson spoke up and basically said, Tom Watson was a meanie. He didn't let us get our get to, he didn't let us pick our playing partners. Corey Pavin was ripped in part because he ordered rain suits and whales that did not keep the rain out, or or they were stitched with letters and numbers and names, and it's like Yeah, that stitching ruined the waterproofness of them. So, yeah, that's not good. They had to go to the pro shop and buy the extras. Tom Lehman, when they lost to the K-Club, was reportedly way too big on the whole Bible thing and having little faith groups within the team. And that kind of, uh, they said, derailed the team cohesiveness. Lanny Watkins, when he was the Ryder Cup captain at Oak Hill, when they lost to Europe then, was ripped for including Curtis Strange on the team who is well past his prime and pretty much sucked in those matches. Man, you know a lot about the... I'm a, I'm a nerd, man. I'm I'm very nerdy about it. I just think Stricker is such a great guy that I would hate to see him not win the cup on his home state soil at Whistling Straits this coming fall. Oh my God, is that going to be fucking great. Draft night in the NFL is coming one week from Thursday, and the war rooms are going to be sexy as So the Rams converted a Malibu beach house into their draft war room and they'll be operating out of it for this year's draft and it's they've got pictures of it. (laughs) It overlooks the ocean and it looks fantastic. Basically, they said to Cliff Kingsbury who did his draft war room at home in his insanely huge Arizona mansion, they're like, okay, we can find a home for our war room as well. Is it actually Sean McVay's house? I don't know. Doesn't matter. I want every team to do something like this. The Washington football team waived running back Bryce Love with a failed physical designation Monday afternoon, ending his career with the team before it ever began. The talented but injured 23-year-old never appeared in the team, uh, never appeared in a game for the team that took a flyer on him in the fourth round of the 2019 draft. Four years ago, Love seemed destined for stardom. He rushed for 2,118 yards in Stanford in 2017, finished as a Heisman Trophy runner-up, but he did not declare for the NFL draft, instead coming back to college. In part, he says, to finish a degree in human biology, 
because he planned to become a pediatrician after football and to stay with his team. All right, let's do a collective awe in one in three, two, one. Aww. Well, he blew out his knee the following year. Slipped to the fourth round. Washington took a chance. Had another knee injury once he turned pro. Never played in the game. Will make very little money from the entire endeavor. Lesson. Football money is bonkers good. Better than almost any other money any athlete is ever going to make in his life. So go get it. Go get it the instant you're at your peak and do not apologize. Speaking of money, I found this great Don Draper biter. Somebody turned me on to this Don Draper bite, bite about money. I did not watch Mad Men. I know. I need to do it. I'm a little bit too young to have remembered that age, but apparently it is fantastic television. Here was Don Draper explaining to his uh, junior associate who wanted more credit or more more credit for an advertising ideal idea at their ad agency. That's the way it works. It's your job. I give you money, you give me ideas. And you never say thank you. That's what the money is for. <laughs> You're young, you will get your recognition. And honestly, it is absolutely ridiculous to be two years into your career and counting your ideas. Everything to you is an opportunity. And you should be thanking me every morning when you wake up, along with Jesus, for giving you another day. Wow. How about that? Then, of course, my favorite, given to me, tipped off to me by Tom Lovero, uh, Danny DeVito. And I forget what movie it was, talking about why everybody needs money. Everybody needs money. That's why they call it money. (laughs) Makes no sense. But there it is. You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. Where's Ralph? He's over there, hogging the hell of a good dip for his big game ritual. Oh, boy. Hey, Ralph, can we get some of that, too? Yeah, yeah, soon. Almost done. First the carrot, two taps and dip. Then the celery. Ah, yes, now the chips. All dipped in creamy, hell of a good dip. Mmm, delicious. Yes, it worked! Get the dip made with real milk and cream that wins every time. Not just good, hell of a good. Alex Smith also announced his retirement on Monday, a nice short video explaining what motivated him during his comeback from his insane injury. It's a hell of a story. It's a story that will be made into a movie, I'm sure, but it doesn't have to be because it already is a movie. What he did this year earned me the ultimate respect. He was not great. He was the king of dink and dunk. But damn it, he played well enough to help propel this team into the playoffs and did not get a chance to start the game, which I sympathize with him on. However, I don't think he he, he wouldn't have come close in that game. I mean, Taylor Heineke balled his ass out. Balled his, balled his ass out? Balled his ass off? That's better. Alex Smith had simply worn himself out in Week 17, beating the Eagles on the road. 
and was not able to play in that game. He has now officially announced his retirement, said he's going to spend time with his beautiful family and his beautiful wife. His wife is an 11. I mean, this this guy's got it made. He's dreamy. She's dreamier. Didn't lose his leg. Battled back to play in the NFL. He's got wonderful kids. Lots of money. <laughs> Fucking A, Alex Smith. Booyakasha. Respect. As good old Borat would say. Okay. Is that enough sports? Good. Let's pivot. Pivot. And this is a pivot with sports mixed in to COVID stuff. So if you don't want to hear me talk about it, if I trigger you, if you disagree with me, if you think I'm being political about it, then now's your warning. Question. How's the Rangers opening day super spreader event going? You know, it's been two weeks. Wait two weeks, says Team Virus. Basically nothing. Hospitalizations, cases, percent positive continue to plummet in the state of Texas. Vaccinations continue to skyrocket in the state of Texas. And nothing came of the dreaded super spreader event. Two weeks has passed. Mississippi and Texas have seen their lowest COVID cases in one year month after lifting their mask mandates. That, of course, was dubbed Neanderthal thinking from President Biden and reckless by Governor Gavin Newsom, who is in the process of having his fancy little ass recalled by the citizens of California. Ole Miss and Mississippi State played a baseball game to a full house, packed like the old days, shoulder to shoulder, no masks, and it was glorious. Here's how it sounded. Come on, I cue these things up. Hitch on. Listen to that crowd. You know, the things we took for granted before COVID, packed houses, chants, stuff like that, it's all coming back. It's going to be slower and more uneven than I would have hoped, but it's eventually all coming back. Speaking of governors, the 11 states with the highest unemployment rates are all run by Democrats. California, Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Louisiana, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island. That's what we call a trend right there. Are people going to be comfortable on team virus going back to everyday life, maskless, not as easily as you might think. Dr. Ashish Jaha of Brown University told about his own struggle to return to normal. He has been fully vaccinated for almost two months, and only recently he decided to meet a also-vaccinated friend for a drink. (gasps) Unmasked, said Dr. Jaha. It was hard, psychologically hard for me. There's going to be some challenges to reacclimating and re-entering, he added, but we've got to do it. They asked him how did it feel in the end to get together with a friend, have a drink, no masks. He said, quote, it was awesome. Yeah, 
It's the way it should be. He's a doctor, and he feels this way. David Lenhart of the New York Times writes the following, quote, If you are vaccinated, still wear a mask in some situations, even though, yes, the medical benefits are tiny. It contributes to a culture of safety and is a sign of solidarity with the unvaccinated who remain a majority of Americans. They deserve your supports. Am I fucking going crazy? Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah. 14 of the 15 states with the most COVID-19 activity right now have statewide mask mandates. 10 of the 15 states with the least COVID-19 activity right now do not have mask mandates. And yet, is anyone going to get fired for this? And nobody's going to get fired. No, they're not. Nobody's going to get fired! (laughs) Is the pandemic political? Well, of course it is. Fauci is trusted by 85% of Biden voters and just 14% of those who voted for Trump. Of course, Fauci now says gun violence is a, wait for it, public health issue. Gun violence, public health issue. On Sunday, he even weighed in on the issue, seemingly positioning himself as a figure of authority on the problem. Quote, when you see people getting killed, I mean, in the last month, it's just been horrifying what's happened. How can you say that's not a public health issue, he said. Oh, I don't know, because it doesn't fit in public health. Just like boulders falling on your head driving down the Pacific Coast Coast Highway, that's not a public health issue. Not everything is a public health issue, for God's sakes. Fauci is like the old man in the Jerky Boys CDs. I'll explain more on that in a second. When the going gets tough, he just rambles on like Junior Soprano in his demented phase and then starts to ask about shoes and sunglasses and whatnot. This was him being grilled by... Congressman Jordan over, so why is Texas doing so great and they're not facing any lockdown orders and yet the northern states are? Take you a listen. You gave us a guess on Texas. Look at the, look at the chart here. You, this is a seven-day average of case rate per 100,000 people. You gave us a, your guess on Texas. You said when Texas ended their lockdown, ended their mandate, that this was, quote, inexplicable and would lead to a, sur- would lead to a surge in cases. Texas is near the bottom of the 50 states, but all the states at the top, all the states at the top are lockdown states. So how great was that? That guess didn't seem to be too good. What what explains why Texas is so darn low compared to the rest of the states? Lockdown states have a much higher case rate than the state of Texas, which is over a month ago now said, we're not going to lock down. We're not going to have all these mandates that you say we have to have. Yeah, there's a difference between lockdown and the people obeying the lockdown. (laughs) You know, you could have a a situation where they say, we're going to lock down, and yet you have people doing exactly what they want to do. Is that what is happening in the top eight states in the country? They're just not not following what's been told? They're not listening to Dr. Fauci? I'm sorry, you're speaking so fast, I'm not even hearing what you're saying. What a fucking fraud. You're speaking, suddenly you're speaking too fast. Yeah. So in other words, explain your theory. The people are not obeying in the lockdown states, but down in the free states like Texas, they're actually obeying non-existent orders more? 
This guy is the highest paid government employee. This guy got a $1 million prize from an international consortium for his work on the pandemic. And now here he is. I can't understand you. You're talking too fast. They're just not, they're just not following what, what's been told. They're not listening to Dr. Fauci. I'm sorry. You're speaking so fast. I'm not even hearing what you're saying. Well, you can look at the numbers. I can't see that. It's too far away. Okay. <laughs> I can't see it. It's too far away. Like I said, all I can think about was the classic jerky boys bit. Hello? Saul Rosenberg. Hello? Yes. Yes, I bought glasses there. My name is Saul Rosenberg. Yes. And my eyes are going crazy. Okay, well, let me pull your record card. Hold on, please. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Yes, I did. And do you wear glasses? No, where'd you buy them? Uh, at your place, then. What address did you go to? <laughs> it's, it's the one right in the city there. I don't quite remember. Well, there's a lot in the city, and sometimes people get confused. I don't have a record card on you. How long ago did you buy it here? About four days, and my eyes is going crazy. And Mr. Rosenberg, I don't believe you bought it at this office because I'm the only one here. I don't wear glasses, and if it was four days ago, I, um, uh, I would have remembered you. And I don't, and I don't have a record card on you. Did you go to the Empire I, State Building? I, I, went, I went to the Empire State Building, and I can't see so good. So you went to see Dr. K? Yeah, but he's an asshole. I couldn't see so good from the Empire State Building. What would you like to make an appointment to come in and see us? I went to the observatory, but because of these glasses, I can't see, goddammit. Okay, would you like to come in and see us? Sure. Okay. We're at 30 East 60th Street. 3578 Street. Okay. No, no, no. We're at 30, 30, 3-0. Okay. East 60th Street. All right. Should I bring all my glasses with no. me? You need an examination. And all my glasses? And Mr. Rosenberg, you need an examination. Okay. Do you need an examination? All right. Yeah, all right. You need an appointment. Right. And sh I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. They're just not. They're just not following what what's been told. They're not listening to Dr. Fauci. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're speaking so fast. I'm not even hearing what you're saying. Well, you can look at the numbers. <laughs> I can't see that. It's too far away. <laughs> can't bring all my shoes and my glasses. And my my glasses with me, <laughs> so I have them. <laughs> it's incredible, and yet trusted by 85 percent of Biden voters. You've got governors like uh, Whitman. Uh, in Michigan with a Fauci pillow, pillow on her bookcase. Wow. Vaccine passports. Oh, many countries and politicians want them. They want them bad. How easy will it be to implement? We'll see. Funny because the World Health Organization is arguing against them. In their emergency committee meeting, the WHO released a statement that included a recommendation recommendation to not enforce proof of COVID vaccination as a requirement of international travel, they say, which will deepen inequities and promote differential freedom of movement. That's the World Health Organization, whose word was golden many times during this pandemic. Now it's just going to be ignored? Maybe. Are masks useless? Of course they are. And now, so says this quack study from a totally unheard of, unreputable place called 
Stanford University and published on some random website that uh, ends with, checks notes, NIH.gov. Wait a minute. That's the government's own website, National Institutes of Health. Here's what they write about masks. The data suggests that both medical and non-medical face masks are ineffective to block human-to-human transmission of viral and infectious disease such as SARS-CoV-2 and others, supporting against the usage of said face masks. Wearing them has been demonstrated to have substantial, adverse, physiological, and psychological effects. These include hypoxia, hypercapnia, shortness of breath, increased acidity and toxicity, activation of fear and stress response, rise in stress hormones, immunosuppression, fatigue, headaches, decline in cognitive performance, predisposition for viral and infectious illnesses, chronic stress, anxiety, and depression. Long-term consequences of wearing face masks can cause health deterioration, development and progression of chronic disease and premature death. That Stanford University study peer-reviewed and published on the NIH.gov website, and yet somebody merely quoted the study, tweeted out the link, and had his Twitter account locked because he was supposedly sending out disinformation about the pandemic. Science! We're following the science. At least Doug Ducey, governor of Arizona, is. He said, in alignment with CDC Gov guidance, I'm rescinding orders that direct K-12 schools to require masks of students in those schools. This is going to be a fight, state to state to state to state, to get these masks off the kids in school. Meanwhile, Canada is in the fetal position and still... Here was a clip from a meathead bodybuilder dude back in the spring of 2020. And it's almost like he had a crystal ball. Six-week, full-on military police state in Ontario. And this is what this guy said to a man-on-the-street interview a year ago. This is about compliance, because they know Canadians like to do what they're told. don't need a mask. A mask is about compliance because they know Canadians like to do what they're told. So if they tell you you have to wear a mask, next they're going to tell you you have to contact trace. Then they're going to tell you you have to take the vaccine. And because Canadians like to do what they're told, they're hoping that everyone just complies. And then guess what, kids? Once you take your vaccine, like a dumb person that doesn't know any better, they're going to tell you, sorry, the vaccine isn't as effective as we thought it was going to be. So now you still got to wear your mask, still got to get contact trace, still have all the restrictions and so social distancing, and still take your vaccine. Wow. That's a winner right there. Like I said, as if he had a crystal ball. Man, has America gotten soft. Ford began offering seatbelts on all models in 1955, and they were shown to reduce traffic fatalities by 70%. Only 2% of customers opted in on seatbelts. What happened to the American spirit? I know that's dumb, but it just shows you the difference in risk aversion from 1955 to today. Now, a a virus with a 99.8, if not better, survival rate is still enough to make people like the doctor I mentioned briefly 
a little bit a while ago say that meeting while vaccinated with another maskless vaccinated friend for a drink was scary. Rules are so stupid the people barking them out sometimes don't even realize they're so stupid. Somebody tweeted, after being packed on a sold-out flight for three and a half, three plus hours each direction, the pilot says afterwards, Captain here, it's a federal mandate to practice social distancing once you exit the aircraft. Translation? Oh, it's okay to be elbow to elbow like cattle if the company is making billions of dollars. But once you're off that plane, you you better socially distance. Roger that, Captain Over Under. Warren Buffett once said, models tend to look impressive. And he doesn't mean, you know, human models like Vanna White or something like that. He says too often, though, investors forget to examine the assumptions behind the models. Beware of geeks bearing formulas. Oh, if we had only had that skepticism a year ago in March. As the nerds at Imperial College, the evil fuckers at that place, who again, have they been jailed? Have they been fired? Have they, They're not even out of jobs. They're still making more shitty models. And nobody's going to get fired. Nobody's going to get fired! Uh, Imperial College got us off and running on this panic over a year ago. And here we are having to fight our way out of it. Then there's this quote from a guy by the name of Eric Hoffer. I didn't know who he was until I looked him up. He was an American moral and social philosopher. He was the author of 10 books and was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in February of 1983. Eric Hoffer wrote, quote, Hatred is the most accessible and comprehensible of all the unifying agents. Actually, most accessible and comprehensive not comprehensible. Hatred, most accessible, it's easy to tap into, and comprehensive, applies to everyone, of the unifying agents. Mass movements, he says, can rise and spread without a belief in God, but never without belief in a devil. Well, this explains, writes someone, those people who like to scream at others to wear their masks, even if they are jogging alone outside with nobody around. It's the belief in a devil. You, sir, are a devil for not wearing a mask. You want people to die. You only care about you. You are ignorant. You are stupid. You don't follow the science. You are the devil. That's the most powerful thing. According to novelist and social or moral and social philosopher Eric Hoffer, brilliant quote there. All right. Are we done with the crate? All I do is every now and then, and this I've laid off of it yesterday. I figured today I'd give you a big dose of it. This is because we need to remind each other, those of us on Team Reality, we're not crazy. They're crazy. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Okay. Let's end on a nice positive light note, shall we? Can you say hell yeah on a Renee Zellweger golf movie? Now I know that Renee Zellweger is, you know, she probably had her prime with Jerry Maguire 30 years ago, but I still love her high cheekbones and her narrow little eyes and her pouty little lips. I'm a fan. 
And any golf movie that gets greenlit in Hollywood, I'll take it. Even if it's bad, just keep putting them out. There'll be a few good ones along the way. Apparently, Renee Zellweger has signed off to play in a golf movie called The Back Nine. <laughs> Come on. Hey, 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 hey. Zellweger, according to The Hollywood Reporter, will play a former golfer who set aside her clubs to make way for her husband's pro career and to raise her son only to decide to turn pro during the back nine. Do you have to play that every time of her life after her marriage goes into free fall? I am all about it because it's golf, everybody. Damn you people, this is golf! All right, look at the time. 42 minutes. That's one take. Not a single edit in here. few mistakes, obviously, but for the most part, pretty good. Shows you what a little bit of preparation can do. Hope you enjoyed the solo cast today. Tomorrow, Power Lunch. Myself, Carol Maloney, and uh, Marty Conway, who is the professor of sports marketing at Georgetown University, will join us uh, for a Power Lunch inside the Mobile Strike Studio, outside the Palm in Tyson's Corner, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Thanks for listening. Spread the word, rate and review. Please, our algorithmic overlords. If you want to subscribe to be a true one percenter and support the podcast, go to zabe.com slash premium. It's only five bucks a month, and if you sign up for a year, you get 12 months for the price of 11. What a bargain. What a country. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting your cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com right now for free screening resources and recommendations from the American Cancer Society. Don't wait. Early detection can save your life. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com today. Cancerscreeninfo.com. At SheFit, we know the fitness industry makes a lot of empty promises. We're done with shortcuts and quick fixes. No woman should be let down or held back, especially by her clothing. It's time to experience the only sports bra that's as strong as you are. Available in the widest range of sizes, easy on and off, with 50% less bounce than the Nike Pro. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at shefit.com slash 2022.